Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week 14, championship week, and this is part two. If you missed the first one, of course, it is archived. Go over to the YouTube channel, which is where you're watching right now, of course, if you were watching live. But make sure and watch the Wednesday show. We went over the first batch of conference championship games, and today we have got some biggins to discuss. Good gracious alive. Let's go ahead and start by introducing the experts. Uh, I am not an expert, but I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me online, on Twitter, wherever, at GaryWCE. On the right side of your screen, you will see Kyle Hunter. He is our professional, award-winning handicapper, and you can find him on Twitter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, feeling good about these big games? Yeah, Gary, uh, this is a busy time of the year with a ton of college basketball and uh college football and uh, i have to say i'm I'm always looking forward to these shows and uh chatting over these games and gosh we haven't had bigger games to talk about all year so let's do this you have certainly got that right on the left side of the screen parker fleming the numerical guru as i like to call him he's the stats guy he's the numbers guy i think the official term is analyst uh but you can find him on twitter at stats of war parker i know you're feeling good about this stuff uh you you've had some crazy numbers on this georgia alabama game right yeah, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to get into this one evidently because uh, you know I, I again consistent model just tossed the inputs in there and I was shocked myself. So uh, yeah, some really fascinating games here and some um, some interesting matchups too. Not you know just beyond kind of um, how teams uh, are playing on average. We've got some good mismatches of style and pace uh, uh, throughout all these games today. So really excited to talk about them. Uh, same here. Same here. Let me go ahead and tell everybody. Make sure that you go and sign up over at BetUS. It is where the game begins. Go over to the website, BetUS.com. There is a link in the description, I believe, where you can click it, and it'll take you right over there. Uh, But if there's not, this is very easy to remember. It's on the screen, BetUS.com, where the game begins. It's brought to you every week. This show is by them, so go and check it out. Along with that, if you are watching on the show, make sure and like the video. There's a little thumbs-up button. I do this every time. It looks like this. Very easy to see. Click the thumbs up button for us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. When the games end this weekend, we still have an entire bowl season to go. An entire month of football. We got Army-Navy next week. We got all the bowl games. We got the playoff games, etc. So make sure you are subscribed and hit the notification bell because it's going to let you know when we go live each and every week. So uh, along with that, jump into the chat. We, uh, we love to have the Q&A at the end of this. We are going to hit every game this weekend, so there's not additional games that you can toss in to get our opinion on. But you may have questions about coaching changes or what we think about bowl season or what we're looking forward to in the playoff, etc. Anything you want to ask, feel free to. We've already got Jerry and Aaron and several other people in the chat. So, uh, and Eric just jumped in as well. So, Make sure and dive into the chat. Leave your comments with your picks on these games. We want to know what you think. Maybe you can sway us to one side or the other for some of these that we may not have a play on. Uh, Let's do our recap. We'll tell you exactly what we are looking at so far on the season, what we have done. Last week, uh, not a great week, but rivalry week is always a little crazy. Uh, I went 4-3, and Kyle 2-2, and Parker 3-6. and Overall on the season. I am currently sitting at 49 wins, 39 losses, and four pushes. Kyle sits at 35 wins and 29 losses. And Parker, 47 wins, 57 losses, and three pushes. Overall, 131, 125, and seven. We are above water 
and we would like to continue that this week, of course. So, gentlemen, we're going to start off with a massive, massive game. The SEC Championship game in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Georgia Bulldogs, a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Alabama Crimson Tide. The total right now sits at 49-and-a-half. Last year, Alabama beat Georgia with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, 41-24. to Alabama is 6-0 and straight up in their last six against Georgia in the last three where they have faced Kirby Smart. Alabama is 1-1-1 one, one, and one against the spread, against the dogs. Georgia has not beaten Alabama since 2007, and that was Nick Saban's first season when Mark Richt was still the head coach. Uh, overs in this matchup, 8-1 and one since 2002. The last time that Alabama was an underdog in a game was 2015. They played in Athens. They were a one-point dog. Alabama went on to win that game 38-10 to en route to another national title. Uh, looking at just all of these different things, Alabama's 0-3 against the spread, their last three against the SEC. Uh, Georgia 4-3 against the spread in their last seven games, and it's been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. But the numbers that they have tried to cover have been just astronomical. I mean, the numbers are so big, it would make sense that they will not cover all of them, especially when they get a big lead and basically just run out the clock late, right? Uh, guys, uh, Kyle, I want to start with you first. Um, the biggest question here will be the Georgia anxiety, right? People know Kirby Smart, I'm not going to say chokes in postseason games, but he's 2-2-1 two, two, and one against the spread. And that's what people are concerned about, right? You've got the better football team, or at least it seems that way. And sometimes some of the decision-making from the sideline eh, puts the team in precarious positions. Uh, give me your thoughts on this ballgame uh, before, we, before we really dive into some numbers here. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, is, this is the game that, that matters so much. And I think it, uh, as far as which side you want to take, I think it's uh, which matters most to you. You want the dominant team from the past 10 years with the best coach in college football, or do you want the team that looks like they're the best team this season, uh, laying the points here? A team that seems to have very few flaws in Georgia um, I'm of the opinion that you could make a compelling argument for either side in this game. You know, I, I don't think um, it, it would be a negative to uh, argue either side in this one. I'm going to stay off of this game, but I do have some stats that I kind of want to break down a little bit. Georgia's first in the SEC in yards per play margin by a wide margin, plus 2.92, Alabama plus 1.19. So a big jump there. I mean, Georgia's defense, we've talked about them all year, guys. I mean, what else can you say about them? I know some people have said they haven't played the toughest schedule. They haven't played the toughest schedule of offenses uh, in their side of the SEC. But still, you know, this defense is so fun to watch. They rank first in coverage grade at PFF. They're fourth in run defense grade at PFF. In fact, Alabama's first in run defense grade. So um, Bama's run defense is probably a bit underrated, but their pass defense hasn't nearly been as good. Um, you know, Georgia's coaching staff has done so well, too, and I think we should give them credit because so often we see these teams that are really talented defensively and they don't quite play up to expectations. I know some people say, well, you have that kind of talent like Georgia has. You have to have an excellent defense. But we've seen these really talented defenses not achieve this kind of success in the past. So they've done a great job with the talent that they have. Uh, Georgia's the real deal. Uh, you know, Gary, I think you know this as well as anybody uh, Bama better hope they can run the football in this game, uh, because if they can't run the football, Bryce Young is in trouble in this game. 
Bama's allowed 29 sacks in SEC play. Uh, Georgia knows the pass is coming. There's going to be some serious heat on Bryce Young in this game. Uh, Alabama offensive line, I would say, is the weakest offensive line they've had in many years. Um, you know, having said that, Bama's averaging just 3.46 yards per carry in the SEC, so they haven't ran the ball that well either. Uh, passing attack for Georgia, Stetson Bennett. Uh, I still think that he's a bit of a question mark. You know, I, I think Bennett's played well. But, um, you know, could he get rattled in a big game? I, I wouldn't be stunned to see something like that. He has great players around him. Um, the question that I have, too, is this game mean more to Bama than it does to Georgia? I mean, in theory, it should, right? Because Georgia's in the playoffs if they win or lose this game. Um, you know, they don't want to lose to Bama. So it's certainly not a, a, a fact that I'm thinking that they want to pass on this game. But, you know, Georgia would be in with a loss. Bama needs to win this game, I think. Uh, my numbers... And the matchups would point to an under in this game, guys. The, these two teams have scored a decent amount of points against each other. Like Gary said, 8-1 and one to the over. Uh, so I'm scared to take under 49.5 in a game like this. But I am, I'm going to pass on this game, but I am super pumped to watch this one. You mentioned needing to run the football. Brian Robinson Jr., the yeah. starting running back, going to be hampered with a hamstring injury. Uh, might play, but he will be far from 100%. They are looking at... Kennedy, the uh, the backup linebacker, as a possible running back at this point. I think they've got four scholarship running backs that that could be out for this game. And Trey Sanders, who is the only healthy running back, is coming off of two straight seasons where he had to go out for the year due to injuries. So not an ideal situation. Slade Bolden, who Parker also loves, a uh, a wide receiver and punt returner, is also uh, been playing a little bit in practices and scrimmages and whatnot uh, at the running back position. So they they are trying to manage the roster, figure some things out, because a lot of the depth that they had to start the season uh, is not there anymore. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely not an ideal situation. Uh, Alabama, I think, can learn from the Tennessee tape a little bit. Uh, the only real success that anybody has had against this Georgia defense that really put them on their heels was that tempo that Josh Heupel's team ran with. And Alabama can do that. But I don't know that you can do it through an entire ball game. I think you have to pick and choose where you're going to do that. I, Parker, I just, I, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with this. Georgia, and this could be, this could be a very interesting topic here. Sagger and strength of schedule, Georgia number 51, Alabama number 18. Georgia has only had six second-half drives. This is courtesy of uh, Bill Conley. Six second-half drives all season where the margin was less than 14 points. Five of them were against Clemson. Now, Alabama uh, has the fourth at least, and they are, they've had 33 drives in that regard. But uh, it's, it's two really good football teams. Net points per drive, Georgia number one, Alabama number five. I mean, everything to me points Georgia here. Uh, the penalty yards, Alabama's number 107 in the country in penalty yards per game. Georgia is number 12. Uh, Stetson Bennett has looked really, really good. And then if he doesn't look good, you've always got the JT Daniels backup option. That would be very ironic considering the ways that, uh, that Georgia has lost the last two to Alabama. Uh, Parker, jump in here. Tell me, tell me your thoughts because that, I just don't see this Alabama offensive line being able to give Bryce Young enough time to move them down the field consistently. 
I agree. I mean, obviously, um, Alabama's offensive line is is a problem. The the big deal there that I think is um, worth noting is, again, Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback under pressure for being as young as he is, is um, phenomenal. Um, uh, you know, struggled a little bit uh, recently earlier in the season was just lights out there. I think some people have made some adjustments, some depth issues with the offensive line. But he's getting pressured um, 34% of the time and still completing, uh, you know, almost 70% of his passes in terms of adjusted completion percent. So he's either throwing it away, he's, he's not getting sacked um, on average on, as often, you know, last week's rivalry game notwithstanding. Um, and I think when you look at this game, this is a really nice example of two things. One, opponent adjustments. Uh, Georgia's defense has not faced an offense as good as Alabama's. This is this is not 2011. Um, Alabama has a good offense. Uh, they have one of the better offenses. They've had good offenses consistently. There are some issues on the margin. You're right. The offensive line struggles a little bit. Um, their red zone play calling, especially earlier in the season, was bad. They were struggling to finish drives. Um, they're still 32nd since week five in points per quality possession. But um, you know, they're passing uh, a whole lot. They're only rushing on 43.8% of early downs and they're 18th in EPA per pass, Gary. So high passing rate, high uh, high EPA tells me that the quality of this offense is, is very, very good and they're able to sustain it. They're not breaking off a big pass every now and then. Um, and so I, I really think that they'll be able to make some adjustments with pressure and get some pass game going and make Georgia have to play a longer game than Georgia has had to play all season. Um, the issue with Tennessee, right? You, me, or Kyle could sit down playing Madden. We were talking about Madden off air, you know, and, and write down 15 plays for the first two drives. We'll go tempo. We're going to score a touchdown on one of those drives versus Georgia, right? What happens is when Kirby Smart adjusts, what Josh Heupel can't do and what I can't do even more, I'm not even close to what Josh Heupel can do, <laughs> is adjust for that, right? That's where the counterpunch is where college football coaching gets really, really hard. You, me, and a couple friends could sit down with a beer and call plays and score a touchdown on Georgia the first drive. But as soon as Georgia adjusts, we're done, right? And so I think that uh, anyone in the world who can't adjust to defensive adjustments is Nick Saban. And so that that's non-quantifiable, right? Um but you kind of have that opponent adjustment and the fact that Saban knows how to uh, attack the counterpunch or uh, absorb the counterpunch. I do think that um, they'll be able to make Georgia play a, a longer offense um, or a longer game uh, on, on defense than they've had to play. The flip side of that is Georgia's offense has been fine. They're second in EPA per pass, 78th in EPA per rush. They're rushing on 61.4% of early downs. So Georgia, again, a lot of that is game state, right? Even if you're filtering out for garbage time, which I am. But Georgia, high volume rushing, their passing is very selective. Alabama's defense, second against the Russian EPA. They will be able to shut that down. And they're 37th against the pass. They faced a pretty heavy pass slate. People have been passing a lot against Alabama's defense, um, and they're still pretty good at it. So generally, I think that that matchup is almost neutral, the Georgia offense versus the Alabama defense. And then the complements of Alabama's high volume passing offense um, plus being able to do the counterpunch is why I, I slightly lean towards uh, Alabama being able to cover this spread. Um, I mean, you, you look at, you know, trying to find anything on the margin. Field position, they're, they're both the same on offense and defense. Early downs EPA, Georgia has been really, really good on offense at moving the ball on early downs. Second overall, Alabama's defense is third. Georgia, when they have to face a third down, which is not often, but it, that means it's in undesirable situations, 98 in third and fourth down success. Alabama's defense is 18th. Georgia is going to have to string together drives and third down conversions in a way that they have not been asked to do all season. Um, 
uh, I really, really think that that's going to be the challenge that keeps this game close. I'm certainly not flirting with an Alabama money line, but six and a half is so many points there. That being said, Georgia's defense has played a week schedule and held that week schedule to 27% of their season averages um, in terms of production and efficiency. This Georgia defense is extremely special. And so um, a really nice test for kind of the numbers to mix with history, to mix with narratives here, to decide how how are we going to um, interpret this game. I would I'm, I don't have an official play. I I'm slightly leaning towards Alabama. I I don't think we said pizza money in a few weeks. I'm going to throw <laughs> some pizza money on Alabama, but no official play. I I can get with that. Uh, one one thing for me that I could maybe see factoring into this ball game. Georgia is number fifty in turnover margin, which is a little bit surprising. Alabama number twenty. Alabama does not turn the ball over all that often. Now, obviously, you get somebody coming off the edge on the blind side and Bryce Young doesn't see him. Obviously, you can see turnovers happening. Uh, but Alabama has been pretty good at at creating turnovers. If they can find a way to make Stetson Bennett uncomfortable, put him in position to have to make throws that he has not had to make all year, uh, yes, there is a path where Alabama could find a way to win this game. I don't see it. I'm going to make an official play for myself, and I'm going to ride Georgia minus six and a half. It's under a touchdown. I think this Georgia defense is too much for this Alabama offensive line. Uh, no, Georgia has not fully been tested, but they've still played SEC competition, much the same that Alabama has had to do, and they have stomped them in a way that Alabama has not. Now, you can go in the margins if you want to and look at Alabama played Arkansas with a healthy KJ Jefferson. Georgia did not. Um, all these different things, right? I... I just think that Georgia, in this position, this is not Alabama as an underdog and Georgia as a favorite. This is Georgia still considers themselves the underdog against Alabama until they beat them. They have not done so, like I said, since 2007. They have been hoping and praying for this specific matchup for uh, since last season. They have been looking forward to getting back at Alabama. Uh, I think they are going to do it. I think they will cover the six and a half. So make that an official play from me, and uh, and maybe it's a little bit of emotional hedging. Uh, you guys that watch the show know that I have been a lifelong Alabama fan, but I'm not dumb. <laughs> I can I can see things with my eyes and be rational about this. Uh, Georgia minus six and a half looks like the play to me, and I am going to ride it. That will take us to the AAC championship game, and we have got another massive one here. Houston sitting at 11 and one on the season. Cincinnati 12 and 0, and the Bearcats. At home, a 10.5-point favorite, total of 53 here. Last season, Cincinnati won this game 38-10, to but this was not the same Houston team last year. This defense is significantly improved. Defense coordinator Doug Belk has been awesome. Uh, my biggest question on this game. Well, you know what? Let me give you a few of the trends first. Houston 4-2 and against the spread on the road uh, this season. They are 2-0 and against the number as an underdog. Cincinnati didn't cover in four straight games. They have now covered their last two. They kind of got the ball rolling again. Uh, the question for me, and Parker, I'm going to start with you on this one. How does Cincinnati deal with external pressures, right? This is the biggest game maybe in school history for a chance to go to the college football playoff to compete for a national title. They don't have to worry about Luke Fickle. I think everybody feels good about that because Word came out on Wednesday evening that Marcus Freeman will be the next head coach at Notre Dame. I don't believe that Luke Fickle will be going to Oklahoma, etc. Uh, they're good at least for this week, for this game. So I think Cincinnati feels good about that. Uh, you look at 
the teams that Cincinnati has played and the defenses that they have played, the Notre Dame defense that Cincinnati played back in the middle of the year was not as good as this defense that Houston is bringing into Nippert Stadium on Saturday night. I, I'm iffy on this one. I really, I really like Houston here. Parker, give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, so again, this one's pretty interesting in terms of how you adjust for opponents because you're right. Cincinnati has not played um, a a defense with a heartbeat since Notre Dame. And even at that point in time, Notre Dame's defense, uh, their their heartbeat having this may have been in in jeopardy. Um, I think if you look at Houston's schedule, though, um, they haven't played anyone. I mean, (laughs) let me let me jump in there. Strength of schedule. Uh, number yeah, 123, Sagarin, uh, for Houston, number 123, and Cincy, number uh, 87. So, yeah, it's a big difference. And, and, and they've played some common opponents, right? And I, I, I don't uh, put a lot of stock in common opponents because we know that in college football, the transitive property doesn't hold, right? If A beats C, uh, B, B beats C, that doesn't mean that A is going to beat C. Um, but when you look at this, Houston's defense has been keeping them in games. Um, and, and, uh, uh, the the big thing that's interesting for me, I wonder how much value or stock we should put in the fact that Houston got to play UConn um, last week, whereas Cincinnati got to play East Carolina, who was coming for their behinds um, and, and gave them a game for a little bit. Houston did mental walkthroughs for, Seattle, uh, for Cincinnati all week and then just walked out and beat the heck out of UConn and then continue to do their walkthroughs for Cincinnati and continue to practice and prepare, knowing what was going on there. Um, they effectively had a bye last week. That's interesting to me in terms of this game. Um, all that to say, Houston's defense, very, very good against the pass, ninth in EPA pass, 19th in EPA per rush. Cincinnati's offense, not really great uh, on, on passing. They're seventh in passing success rate, but 52nd at EPA. They're really not generating big plays through the pass game. And Houston is not really allowing um, huge uh, runs, uh, run success. They're, they're, or, excuse me. Houston is not allowing big plays through the run, which Cincinnati is getting. Houston is 33rd in defensive success rate for rushing, but they are um, 19th in EPA per rush, which means, hey, you might get success there, but they're not letting you break off these kind of high-value big plays. Uh, the the interesting matchup I, I, for, for me in this is, is really – Houston's uh, offense versus Cincinnati's defense, because I do believe that Houston's offense is the worst unit on the field. Cincinnati's defense is the best unit on the field. Um, But I think Houston's offense has been playing better than they have um, looked the last couple of weeks. They are 46 in EPA per uh, in, in overall EPA. They're 29th in passing 83rd in rushing. They're really balanced though. So 52nd in EPA per rush. Um, I wonder if Holgerson is not just going to spread it out and run the air raid and kind of sling things around. Um, so given what Houston's defense is able to do, uh, I think that 10 and a half is way too many points here, especially because Cincinnati has not really shown us any kind of downfield passing threat. And Houston's shown us multiple times they can uh, keep pace and win a shootout this season. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, Eric jumps in on the chat. He said, I watched Houston play a pitiful second half at home against East Carolina, which scares me to bet on them. That game was really weird, and I tend to throw that one away a little bit because it was delayed like six hours due to thunderstorms in the in the Houston area. The game ended up it ended late. It was supposed to be like a 2 p.m. game. It didn't end until what 10:30 or 11. I mean, it was a really weird game. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily toss that one in there. Uh, Kyle, when I look at some of these numbers, um, I, I was looking at turnover margin to see if there's a way that Houston could create a few more opportunities for themselves. Turnover margin on the season, Cincy is number three, and Houston is number six. 
But if, if you dig into deeper a little bit, if you dig into it a little deeper, Cincy has lost nine turnovers in the last four games. Um, they did force nine to make it even. At Houston has, has only lost three in the past four games, and they've gained eight. Like, they have been able to create opportunities in the last month of the season that Cincinnati uh, has had to really do just to get things back to even for them. I, I do wonder if maybe that plays into this a little bit. Uh, Houston, the number 15 S&P plus defense, um, they're number 26 in defensive 20 plus yard plays allowed. That's a big thing that I look for with Cincinnati is can they use explosive plays to beat you? I don't think they can do that against Houston. What, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? First, I mean, if we if we want to play the transitive property game, you know, Houston won forty five to ten against Tulsa, and we know how Cincinnati did against Tulsa. So, you know, there we go. No, I mean, it's uh, it's it's obviously more Good complicated. Show, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was just stop right there. Um, look, Cincinnati's in a must win spot here. We know that uh, the Bear Cla- Bearcats didn't really play play that amazing. Uh, as the final score would indicate in their win over East Carolina. I think that game was probably closer than what the final score looks like because East Carolina had the ball uh, deep in Cincinnati territory multiple times there. They did look great against SMU, but in uh, shaky in a lot of their other recent contests. And Houston, uh, Parker alluded to this. I mean, they've rolled off 11 straight wins after a season opening loss, but it's fair to say, I mean, who have they beaten that's good during that period? So, um, they're fourth in success rate allowed, 10th in yards per play allowed. Houston has given up 25 plays of 30 yards or more. So if there's one way you can beat this Houston defense, it's big plays. Uh, we'll see if Cincinnati can uh, get some of those big plays. Cincinnati's defense has forced 32 turnovers this year. I, I was surprised when I looked at that. I, I figured Iowa was first in the nation in turnovers forced, but it's actually Cincinnati. Uh, Bearcats defense is the real deal. Um, it'll be really important that Clayton Toon take care of the football here. Uh, Toon has played well. I'm not fully convinced that Toon will look good against the Cincinnati defense, though. So uh, I'm not I'm not sure how that'll work out in the passing attack. I would expect that Holgerson will run a lot of really quick passes, try to take uh, short passes to take pressure off uh, Clayton Toon in that one. I do lean strongly uh, toward Houston in this game. But I want to attack it a little bit differently. I want to take Cincinnati team total under in this game. Uh, reason being, I think there's kind of a higher chance uh, that Houston could get held to a pretty low number in this game by the Cincinnati defense because I haven't seen Houston's defense against anything like this Cincinnati defense thus far. So I lean to the under. I lean to Houston. But I'm going to take Cincinnati team total under. Uh, I could see a 28 type, 28 to 10 type game or a 24 to 14 type game in this one. Uh, Houston has faced... A lot of really bad defenses this year. Cincinnati's defense is tremendous. I'm still not totally sure that Cincinnati's offense is really that good. Uh, Ritter's a good quarterback. But guys, remember some of these games earlier in the season when they played Indiana, when it looked like Indiana was going to be a good opponent, and they played Notre Dame. Ritter did not look good in the first half of those games. There were some really low-scoring first half. Cincinnati didn't look good against Indiana at all in the first half in that game. They were kind of fortunate to win by the margin that they did. Since he, 10 of their 12 games this year have seen the first half go under the total. So I would lean first half under the total in this game as well. It seems like Ritter has been a bit um, maybe too hyped up, you know, a little bit. Uh, not as quality of play in the first half as what he has in the second half. Uh, we'll see if that happens in a game like this. There's a lot of pressure on Cincinnati to win this game. Um, I lean toward Houston, but I'm going to take Cincinnati team total under here. I like it. I like it. We all three have an official play on this one. 
Uh, so let's go ahead and read them off. I am riding Houston plus 10.5. Parker is riding Houston plus 10.5. And, and Kyle taking Cincinnati team total. Uh, I believe the graphic we have is under 32.5. I believe that line is now 31.5. But Kyle, you told me earlier you still like that one. So, uh, yeah, team total under for Cincy. And then Houston plus 10.5 for myself and Parker are the official plays on that one. That one's going to be a lot of fun. I hate that it's at the exact same time as the SEC championship, um, but that's why you have to have two TVs, my friends. Go and go to Walmart or wherever and buy yourself a TV. Knock that thing out. All right, let's jump into the Big Ten championship game. Woohoo! Iowa got in by the skin of their teeth last week, and uh, and they are playing against Michigan, the Hawkeyes and the Wolverines, and Michigan, an eleven point favorite in Indianapolis. The total sitting at forty three and a half. The last matchup between these two teams was in 2019. Michigan won 10-3. to <laughs> Not a lot of points. Of course, Big Ten football. That makes perfect sense. Iowa 2-1 and one against the spread as a dog this season. They are 4-1-1 one, and one against the number as a dog in the last six that they have been in that position. That dates all the way back to November of 2019, I believe. Um, Michigan 5-1 and one against the spread this season as a 10-plus point favorite. Not typical Jim Harbaugh. It's a little strange. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this one. Iowa number 105 in offensive adjusted sack rate since week seven. That is not a good number against Aiden Hutchinson in that bunch. Um, I I just don't know how Iowa stays in this ballgame. Uh, you look at some of these Iowa offensive numbers, and we've talked about it all season. Number 111 in offensive success rate. Number 125 offensive points per scoring opportunity. That's drives inside the 40. It, if you can't put up points, you're not going to be able to get Michigan to really turn the football over, I don't believe, or at least they have not done so thus far this season. Kyle, what are your thoughts on on the Hawkeyes and the Wolverines? I mean, where do you start here? How how did Iowa get into this game? I mean, it's it's hard to believe that Iowa got into this game with the, the offense that they have. And uh, at the risk of bashing Iowa too much here, I mean, Iowa's a good defense. Ference is a good coach. I like uh, Ference quite a bit. Um Nebraska absolutely choked away another game. I mean, we to get to this game. And then Minnesota had to upset Wisconsin as well. So Iowa being in the Big Ten title game, they are negative 0.07 yards per play margin inside the Big Ten. And here they are in the title game, which is wild. Um, you know, Michigan just flat out bullied Ohio State last week. Obviously, that was a bummer for me being a Buckeyes fan. Uh, Harbaugh's team was really well prepared for that game. Uh, I thought he outcoached Ryan Day in that game. You have to give him a bunch of credit for being ready to go in that one. Um, you know, some people said the elements, you know, the weather. It didn't help Ohio State, but, you know, they wouldn't have stopped him running, even if it was, you know, sunny. And <laughs> Michigan was was the better team in that game for sure. Uh, now what for Michigan? Is this a letdown spot, a hangover game? I, I could understand, you know, there being some hangover in this game. And laying 11 points kind of worries me because, you know, a total of 43 and a half. You guys have heard me talk about this before. Uh, it's just scary to lay this many points in a game that should be this low scoring. And, it, and when I first saw this, I thought, you know, I, I, I have to take Iowa with double digit points, right? But then you, you start looking at the matchup more and I figure out, I mean, how is Iowa going to score in this game? I don't know how they're going to score. I mean, they haven't been able to score against uh, virtually anybody. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when Ference was saying, you know, you got Spencer Petras. And I got Padilla. Uh, I have two good options. It's like he really has no good options at quarterback. And, and that's kind of shown itself out uh, in recent weeks. 
And uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, he's earning himself some serious money right now, by the way. And uh, he is tenacious. This guy is is very good. I think he's going to be a big problem for Iowa because this Iowa offensive line really has not been very good. We're used to Iowa's offensive lines being excellent. Um, I mentioned this stat before, but in 12 games uh, this year, Michigan has allowed only 24 tackles for a loss, which is just unheard of good. Um, uh, insane number, tremendous offensive line play. As a reference, Iowa has allowed 90 tackles for loss so far this season. So they get behind the sticks, and Iowa's not a, a team that is built to to go on second and 15 and third and long, uh, things like that. So, you know, I, I just worry about how many points Iowa could score here if you want to back Iowa. I mean, you know, this could easily be a 21 to 7 type game, and it wouldn't surprise me. And then you say, well, maybe you'd want to take the under. It's a fast track. You know, we're playing inside. This is a, a very low total. I can't take the under here. I, I, this Iowa defense actually, too, um, you guys know this, they weren't as good at the end of the season as they were at the start of the season. Some of these teams late in the season were moving the ball pretty good against them, including Nebraska with their backup quarterback. Um, you know, even Illinois moved the ball against them pretty well. So Iowa's a good defense, not a dominant defense um, here of late. It's all about the turnovers, right? So would any of us be surprised if if Iowa forces three or four turnovers and scores 20-some points based off that? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I mean, the they've, they've done it so many times. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I'm cautious to lay the points here with Michigan, too. I feel like there's um, quite a bit of variance here from the turnovers that I'm going to pass on this game. To- it makes total, total sense on it. Uh, we did have a few questions in the chat uh, one asked, is it the old guy or the new guy that's going to start at quarterback for Iowa? I believe that they're leaning towards Spencer Petras, uh to be the starting quarterback this week. Uh, he had to come in uh, in support of Alex Padilla, who was the the new guy that you were talking about. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see both of them play. Neither of them have been super successful. Uh, I do like Padilla's uh, uh, passes better. Like at the, Just the throwing motion looks better to me. But that doesn't mean that he's better at decision-making or any of that. So who knows uh, what they'll do there. And then uh, Jerry Scruggs jumped in and said, Michigan is the sexy pick, but there will be a hangover after the Ohio State game. Kyle, you brought that up. I, we talked about this yesterday on the show. I just don't, I don't think that I buy into the hangover effect heading into a conference championship game. Right? You, you play those games to get the opportunity in the conference championship game I think Michigan's going to be fired up because you have to win this one to get to the playoff, and I think that that is the the ultimate goal for this Wolverine team. Um, and, but we'll see. I mean, you never know. You never know. <laughs> the only th- only thing only comeback I would have for that, which I could see a little bit of hangover, is they are laying a lot of points here, so they don't have to win by twelve points in this one. Where True. you know, yesterday when we were talking about it, it was a five and a half point spread, so that is a little bit of a difference. But I but I agree, you know, it's not like they're going to look ahead and and uh, you know not be up for this game. True, very very true, uh, Parker. On this one, uh, the turnover margin, of course, number three for Iowa, number twenty seven for Michigan. But I believe that that has changed pretty. I mean, it was so drastic early in the season for Iowa that anything they did the rest of the year, they were still going to be ranked relatively high. Michigan has done a really good job of taking care of the football. Uh, when you look at net points per drive, things like that, Iowa's number 41 in net points per drive. Michigan is number four. Uh, I really believe that the only hope for Iowa here is is turnovers. And as Kyle said, would it surprise anybody if a, a hardball-coached Michigan team found a way to turn the ball over in a game like this? I don't think so. 
What uh, what are your thoughts on this? One did not think that I was going to speak in defense of Iowa's offense ever, but I I, I do want to just say last week on their first six drives, they had five scoring opportunities. Um, They were moving the ball really well against Nebraska. Nice things about Iowa over. Nebraska's defense is pretty bad. They they have some issues as well. They've let up a lot of points. Um, I, I think when I think about this game, when I look at the aggregate numbers, and certainly recently Iowa's defense has not been stellar and the offense has gotten worse, which go hand in hand because remember we talked about, you know, they, they had the shortest average touchdown drive of anyone in the nation by like 15 yards. Um, and so when they were scoring, it was on average on drives that started closer than the, than the 50 yard line uh, <laughs> early in the season. They haven't gotten that much good luck. They have played a much harder schedule. Um, and I really point to two games here. Uh, Penn state, they were down 17, three at the half before Sean Clifford went out. And then they were able to capitalize on turnovers and everything and come back. And then Wisconsin, they lost seven to 27. They got absolutely just mauled by Wisconsin. Um, and I, I think that the physicality has not been there on Iowa's schedule. And I think Michigan last week showed that they are a physical team. And that's why I'm going to lean, uh, not lean, I'm going to take an official play for Michigan to cover here. I think Michigan's defense has been playing as well as Iowa's defense. And Michigan's offense is leaps and bounds better than Iowa's offense. Michigan has not been prone to the mistakes. They have not been prone to the um, sloppy special teams that a couple, uh, you know, that Iowa State, Penn State have been um, when they've lost to uh, to Iowa. I, I really, really think that Michigan is going to be able to do what they want. One thing that bodes really, really well for Michigan's offense, 35th in offensive EPA per play. Obviously, that rushing attack is fierce. I think uh, almost 60% of Hassan's Hoskins' yards come after contact. He's really good at eluding tackles, really good in space. Um, but they're extremely balanced. 40th in EPA per pass, 44th in EPA per rush. Um, and, and I really think that um, specifically the Russian game, 14th and success rate, they're going to be able to move the ball. And I think Iowa, when challenged with a run game that they're going to have to focus on, is going to be vulnerable in the secondary. And Michigan has the um, ability, has the playmakers, has uh, the track record of creating these big explosive plays and scoring there. So um, I, I think Michigan, lot on the line, absolutely won't be a letdown spot. I usually keep those for, for in-season games. Um, I, I think that Michigan should cover 10 and a half here. Well, let's make it official. Parker is the one that has the play on it. Michigan, minus 11 for him. I am staying away. Both of these coaches scare me. <laughs> let's uh, let's move off of that. Let's jump into the ACC championship game. This one is in Charlotte Pitt against Wake Forest. And the Panthers, favored by three, and, uh, and it is juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 71 and a half. The last meeting between these two was in 2018, and Pat Narduzzi's bunch, the Pitt Panthers, won 34-13. to 13. Uh, Dave Clawson, the Wake Forest head coach, just won ACC Coach of the Year, so congrats to him. Uh, but Pitt, 7-2 and two against the spread of their last nine this season, all of those as a favorite. Wake Forest, 4-2 and two against the spread in their last six games. They are 0-2 in that span as a dog. That is uh, certainly not good, considering they are a dog in this matchup. You look at some of these numbers here, and Parker, I'm going to start with you on it. Uh, Pitt, number four in defensive adjusted sack rate since week seven. Uh, Wake Forest is number 44. If Pitt can cause Sam Hartman to be uncomfortable, and of course that is easier said than done, I, I think Pitt has a chance to run away with this game. I mean, there is obviously a reason why they are favored here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Panthers and the Demon Deacons? 
I definitely liked what I saw out of Pitt's defense. It looked a little more vintage Pitt uh, against Syracuse. Um, and uh, I, I think their their offense has been so good. Obviously, there's pace issues with like keeping up with a with an offense that's scoring so much. And um, where they have struggled this season, you think about like the North Carolina game that was really close. Um, uh, they um, have really struggled with a, a quarterback who's mobile. I mean, Sam Howell turned into Trevor Knight in that game and was just <laughs> running all over the place. And Sam Hartman Trevor Knight really shown. Nice, nice. <laughs> didn't didn't think you were hearing that when you woke up this morning. Subscribe to the BetUS podcast where we talk about obscure Big 12 players from 10 years ago. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Sam Hartman's not Trevor Knight is the point I'm trying to make here. And, and he hasn't been super mobile. You know, they run that slow mesh and they've been very efficient and they've been able to put up points. But I, I don't think that they're, they're, they're going to give Pat Narduzzi's defense any kind of unique wrinkle that he's not prepared for, any kind of dimension to the game that, that might exploit that defense. Um, and then on the flip side, man, Wake Forest defense stinks. It just – it is bad. And look, they have low talent ratings. They have low recruiting. I get it. They're kind of outkicking their coverage on, on offense here. So, like, I'm not dragging them. Their defense is a Wake Forest defense – their offense is like a power five offense. That's kind of the, the difference this year. And so I think with Pitt's offense, um, they'll, they'll be able to score at will. Uh, the one thing I look at is um, how well both of them will kind of match up in uh, finishing drives. Because again, um, Pitt's offense is 49th in points per quality possession. Wake Forest defense, 106th. On the flip side, Wake Forest offense, third in points per quality possession. Pitt's defense is 59th. So if Wake Forest can take advantage, pop off a few big plays, even if they're not very successful on average, um, they, they, Wake has won a couple games where they have been negative success rate uh, uh, generally. And so um, if, if they can break off one or two big plays, maybe they can keep this close. Uh, I think Wake absolutely wants this to be a shootout. Um, my, my line is almost exactly at the spread here, so I don't love this game uh, as an official play. I'd slightly lean uh, lean towards Wake Forest, just being able to kind of create a shootout situation. And, you know, that army game, they were scoring every other second. It felt like if they can do that, um, which they've shown they have, they can a couple times, they can keep it close. But if Pitt's defense is, is, uh, you know, typical Narduzzi, uh, you're right. This could get ugly. The, you mentioned big plays, et cetera, uh, on the other side of the field, Pitt number four offense in 20 plus yard plays and Wake Forest defense number one Oh two in 20-plus yard plays allowed. Uh, that is not a good matchup. Not a good matchup at all. Turnover margin, uh, this might be one of those where you could see a few more possessions. Wake is number six. They don't turn it over much, and they do uh, create turnovers quite a bit. Pitt is number 43 in that regard. And when you talk about discipline, Pitt, number 115 in penalty yards per game. Wake Forest is number 68. So Pitt on the, on the back end of the FBS 130, uh, just just not great there. Net points per drive. These two teams are very, very equal. Kyle uh, Pitt is number one. Excuse me. Pitt is number 15. Wake is number 16. Uh, give me your thoughts on this one. I mean, this is it looks like two big time offenses and Pitt just happens to have a little bit better defense. Kenny Pickett's the guy I was most wrong about this season coming into the year. Uh, what a fantastic season for him. I did not expect him to be this good. In fact, he's second and QB grade at PFF behind only Bryce Young. So tremendous stuff from him. And we'll say he has... Like, by the way, he's been there for like nine years, so I at know, some point he had to be pretty good, right? I, I kept thinking <laughs> I kept thinking every year 
uh, you know, the people in the preseason say, this is the year Pickett gets better. This is the year Pickett gets better. And it just wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And now finally it did. Um, and when it did, it, it happened in a big way. He does have 11 turnover worthy plays in his last five games after having only zero in the previous four games. So that's one uh, minor concern for him. Sam Hartman's been great too. Uh, we can't undersell him too much. Sixth and QB grade at PFF. In my opinion, guys, I think Wake Forest has a clear coaching advantage in this one. I'm not taking Narduzzi against Clawson in a coaching matchup. Having said that, the talent advantage is clearly Pittsburgh, in my opinion. So it makes the um, the side a bit, you know, uh, murky for me. I don't know exactly what to do with that because I hate laying points against Clawson. He's actually 46 and 35 against the spread all time as an underdog. So he's been very good as an underdog long term. Uh, Wake Forest has been a fun team this year, and I like a lot of things about this team, but this Demon Deacons defense is really bad, like Parker said, and I I don't want to hear people say, well, they only allowed 10 points last week against Boston College. I did have a a selection, uh, a premium selection last week on the under in that game at the last minute because of the weather forecast. That game was played in 30 to 35 miles per hour winds. Uh, that'll help a defense a lot. You know, you get out there and 30 miles per hour wins. It's a lot easier to stop the other team, turns out. Uh, the previous three weeks, let's look at how those went. Wake Forest allowed 55 points against North Carolina, 42 points against what I would say is a mediocre NC State offense, and then 48 points against Clemson. And we know Clemson was a weak offense this year. So what is there to make us believe that Wake Forest could stop Pitt in this game? I don't think there's really anything. The weather looks good for this game. These two teams rank fourth and 19th in tempo. There's going to be a lot of snaps in this game for sure. I certainly lean full game over, but I like Pitt team total over a little bit better here because I just don't see Wake Forest getting the stops against Kenny Pickett and that Pitt offense. I I really like the direction that you went with that. Uh, Pitt team total over 37 is the official play for Kyle uh, it is going to be really tough for Wake Forest to stop Pitt. Uh, on the same token, I mean, Wake Forest could absolutely hit some big plays like we talked about, uh, but I do like Pitt to be able to score there. So I like the direction that you went with that one. We do have one more game. Let me go ahead and remind everybody to hit the like button for us. Uh, had quite a few people watching today, and there are still more people watching than have liked the video. So like that video for us. Make sure you are subscribed and hit the notification bell because that is going to let you know when we go live for bowl coverage that will start. Of course, we've got Army-Navy next week. We'll have some things to discuss, but bowl season is coming. The playoffs are coming. The national title is coming, etc. Make sure and hit the notification bell and share the show out. Tell your friends about it. All the good stuff. If you have not already, go and download the podcast. Uh, what are you doing with your life if you hadn't done that? The BetUS football podcast, that is the NFL show and the college football show, all wrapped in to one neat little podcast form. You can catch both shows in the audio format. So go ahead and check that out and leave a nice five-star review for us over on Apple Podcasts. Let's, uh, let's dive into this one. USC is heading to Cal in a makeup game. Now, this is just such a, a strange situation. We don't typically have these, but obviously Cal had some, some issues earlier in the season uh, with COVID and whatnot just a few weeks ago. They did not have enough players to be able to play against USC, so they scheduled it for this weekend, knowing that both teams would not be in the conference championship game. Cal is a four-point favorite now. Uh, this, This line has moved quite a bit. The total is 58. USC won the last matchup between these two. It was in 2019, 41 to 17. USC covered against BYU last week. 
but they were 0-5 against the spread before that. Now, USC, uh, I don't know if they were rejuvenated. I don't know what happened. They played a lot of younger guys, a lot of guys that hadn't gotten a ton of playing time. Jackson Dart starting at quarterback, etc. Um, Cal is is 4-2 and two against the spread in their last six, but they are 1-2 and two against the spread in their last three. Uh, they make no sense. The, the Golden Bears make no sense. They They beat Oregon State, and yet they lost to Arizona. They do this all the time. Justin Wilcox can't seem to find uh, an offense that works for him. The defense, it's still pretty good. Still pretty good. I, I look at some of these numbers, and it just blows my mind. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. USC, number 127 in stuff rate. Cal is number five in offensive line opportunity rate. Um, Cal is number 36 in yards per rush. You look on the other side, Cal, number 65 in stuff rate. USC is number 18 in opportunity rate. I, the rushing attack for USC last week gained 210 yards against BYU, and that was without Keontae Ingram in the game. I none of this makes any kind of sense to me. Give me your thoughts on it. Do you do you have a feel one way or the other? In this case, guys, we did not save the best for last as far as these games. Um, which team cares <laughs> about this game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's hard for me to get too excited to talk about this game after uh, Mark was saying in the chat that Kyle's really fired up compared to normal. I'm less fired up about this game. Um, I was kind of looking up as as you were talking, though, Gary. Uh, Justin Wilcox, I knew he'd been good as an underdog and not good as a favorite. 21-8 and eight against the spread as an underdog, uh, which he's about 500, it looks like, overall. So, which means he's not been good as a favorite. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to trust uh, Cal here in this game. Like you said, they've been not trustworthy at all. At the same time, what kind of effort are we going to get from USC? I, I really don't know. I, I think this is one of those games where uh, USC, with the kind of talent they have uh, defensively to be 113th in yards per play allowed, is really just shocking to me. 117th in defensive success rate. Um, Wilcox, I back as an underdog, as a favorite. I'm not interested. In a game where I'm not sure that either team cares a whole heck of a lot. I would lean to the over just because I think that, um, you know, in college basketball, we see the same at the end of the year when the games don't mean anything, there's more overs than there are unders. And when the game means a lot, there's more unders than overs. I think that's the same case in um, college football. I, I really don't think that this game is as much stats based as it is. Who do you think is motivated? Uh, you know, so if you have you think you have some kind of edge as to which team is motivated in this game, that's that's what you would uh, uh, want to go with and pick this one. But I don't I don't pretend to know which team is more motivated here. Uh, I'll lean to the over and, and totally pass on the side. And the question for me is, is Lincoln Riley going to be at the ball game? And maybe some of these guys are playing for uh, their position on the team. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Parker, uh you look at these two, USC usually rushes uh, 45% of the time over over the last three games or so. Uh, but last week they ran 55% against BYU. Uh, have they found something here? Are they are they trying to close this out strong? They're both 4-7. and seven. There's no bowl game in sight. Uh, what, what are your thoughts here? I've got a classic example of selection bias and, and aggregate stats here for Cal's defense. 14th in EPA per pass. 114th in EPA per rush. Guess how often people are passing against Cal? Not very, because you don't have to. Uh, USC obviously has the athletes. Um, 
it's funny that Cal is favored. I mean, USC has, has been a disaster, a uh, little bit of a, a rough deal with them covering against BYU last week. Um, they're 22nd in offensive success rate since week five. I do think they'll be boring and just kind of run the ball. And just, you know, I mean, I'm sure Lincoln Riley has talked to them about like, hey, let's just, you know, Caleb Williams is probably coming, but let's see what Jackson Dart has in the tank. Let's just experiment, see what's going on. Um, I, I don't think Cal is very good um, at all. I, I do think it's funny. Um, I have a friend who who's uh, uh, really early better, and he's got a ticket from earlier this season with Cal four and a half um, that they're still honoring plus four and a half. Uh, so so he's going to make some money this weekend, I think. But um Man, I, I, you know, uh, blind resume, Cal should win this big. When I start looking at, you know, who Cal actually is, I'm a little bit worried that, that USC should be able to run the ball pretty well against them. Um, I love college football, and I know there will come a time soon when I long for even the most random college football game. Um, I can confidently say, guilt-free, I am not devoting an ounce of attention to this game this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will be. I will, because this is the only game on in the night slot. Of course, they give us a Pac-12 after dark game uh, on what, like FS1, I believe it is. It's 11 p.m. Eastern time. It, it'll be the only game on in that slot, and it'll be the last regular season game before we get to the bowl games. I'll have it on. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch something <laughs> because... I don't. I'll, I'll be doing notes and getting ready for uh, uh, for the sa- uh, Sunday stuff. But yeah, I, I'll watch a little bit. But as far as leaning one direction or another, I'm with you guys. There is no way that I'm going to bet on either one of these teams because anything can happen, especially in a Pac-12 after dark game. Uh, I just I don't feel good about either of them. So we won't have an official play on that one. But that does move us into Q and A, etc. Here's the the first question in the Q&A. The polo says, Parker, are you growing a man bun? Would you like to answer that? <laughs> some, some might even say a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting there. It is getting there. Um, I don't say, hey, how about this? I'll start with this one. Uh, Kyle, let's get you first. What do you think about Marcus Freeman as the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? I like Marcus Freeman. I'm excited for him. Uh, I, I hope he does well there. I'm rooting for him, certainly. Uh, really good defensive mind. I think if he can surround himself with the right people, he can do a good job there. I don't think it would be too fair to judge him based on one or two years, but um, I think he'll do well. You know, it's not this home run hire that you're sure is going to be amazing right away. Um, it's kind of surprising that they move so quickly, right? So that's that's yeah. kind of my biggest takeaway. That was that was mine as well. They moved incredibly fast. Uh, I don't believe that they have officially offered him yet. Uh, but within the next 72 hours or whatever, they're going to officially offer him the gig. Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, staying. The offensive and defensive line coaches are both staying. Uh, basically, nobody's going with Brian Kelly down to LSU. Okay, Parker, what do you think about this? Conspiracy time. What if Notre Dame saw that the committee was going to ding them for not having a head coach in the playoff rankings, and they said that they offered Marcus Freeman so that they have a head coach? And then they're just going to hire Luke Fickle at the end of the season anyway. That would be atrocious. There's no way they're oh, actually man. doing that. But I just had to float one more crazy theory here. Um, I, I mean, I, I love Marcus Freeman. I think he's really well regarded for his um, uh, for his schematic mind, which a lot of times, like ex players, you know, it's it's oh, he's you know, he understands the game. He's a good recruiter, or whatever. It's like no, Marcus Freeman is a defensive wizard, um, and so I, I like that a lot. I like that as a new generation for Notre Dame. Um, yeah. So so again, I, I think that. 
their their defense has been very good this year. He handled the responsibility really well. Obviously, they have some offensive stuff to work on, but it looked like Tommy Reese ironed that out throughout the season. So um, the fact that the whole staff is staying, the continuity certainly works in his favor. Um, I, I, I like it a whole lot. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I don't see a ton of questions here. Uh, well, hold on. PMAT said, uh, bankroll question. Curious what you three think pizza money is as a percentage of one's uh, one-unit bet, standard one-unit bet. So for me, pizza money is basically mm, half a unit, sometimes even less than that, maybe a quarter of a unit just to have some juice on the game. Uh, Kyle, what, what is pizza money to you? Yeah, a quarter unit or maybe even, you know, two-tenths or something like that. I, when I say pizza money, I mean pretty small. Um, you know, I, I sometimes if you want to have action on a game, you want to have pizza money, you just want to make sure that you don't have so much on it that it's going to bother you afterwards if you lose. So, um, you know, there's plenty of games to pick from, and there's going to be selections you feel strongly about. So if you're putting pizza money on a game, just make it fun. You know, just don't... don't uh, that's my biggest advice, uh, not a certain dollar amount or anything. Just make sure that if you lose that, it's not going to hurt you much. Yes, yes, I agree 100%. Let's take that and let's go to our best bets for today. And Parker, we're going to start off with you. Which games do you like the most? Um, I, I really like Houston to keep things close against Cincinnati. Ten and a half is a lot of points. And then I think Michigan puts on a pretty good showing here against Iowa and covers 11. I am going to ride with the Georgia Bulldogs to absolutely hammer Alabama. Given the opportunity, I think they will take it. They will cover the six and a half. Uh, it's less than a touchdown. I'm all in on it. Um, Houston, plus ten and a half. I like it the same as Parker. I think that that defense is going to keep them in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be tight, tight in Nippert Stadium. Kyle, what do you like here? I'm going to take two team totals here this week. I'm going to take Cincinnati team total under and Pittsburgh team total over. And I just want to say, too, that it's nice to have a book like BetUS where uh, they do have team totals available because I know not all books have that. So uh, Gary Garris talks about uh, how important it is to have BetUS and what a great sports book it is. And uh, I just want to say it's nice to have team totals as, as an option, especially this time of the year, guys, where you know there's not near as many games to pick from. Yeah, you have certainly got that right. Good gracious, what another fantastic show, another fantastic weekend of college football. I am excited about it, and I'm excited about, of course, the four-team playoff, etc. All of that's going to be announced on Sunday after the games. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We did have somebody jump in and ask us about our predictions for that. Uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter. You can certainly do that. That is in the description. Uh, Parker is at Stats of War. I am at GaryWCE, and Kyle is at KyleHunterPicks. Uh, and then we'll we'll talk to you about it. We'll we'll try and figure all that out. I'm still trying to weed through this. I know we're getting close to Saturday, uh, but I'll, I'll make some predictions. Probably put them out on Twitter in the next 24 to 48 hours or so. <laughs> so we'll we'll get it figured out. Uh, with that said, head over to BetUS. It's where the game begins. The website is easy. BetUS.com. Simple to do. So go ahead and sign up over there. Take advantage of all the things that they have to offer, and make sure and like the video. Again, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. We're getting towards the end of the season, but that does not mean that the content is done. So make sure the notification bell is clicked. That'll let you know when we go live for bowl coverage, for playoff coverage, for off-season content, etc. Just hit the notification bell. Very easy to do. Uh, jump into the comments. Let us know what your picks are this week. We appreciate everybody that has jumped in on the chat. Justin, Aaron, Mark, Eric, etc. You guys are awesome for being here every single time. We uh, 
I don't know the best way to say it. Just thank you. We certainly appreciate you guys. With that said, we are going to get out of here. Hopefully, all of you have winning tickets this week, and hopefully we do the same. For BetUS, where the game begins, we'll see you all again next week.